0: on and give God praise right there if you will. Give God praise right there if you will. Jesus is so good. You may be seated. You may be seated. Amen. I want to start out with um, some protocol this morning. I am so grateful for your pastor. Your pastor is more than a friend to me. He is a brother And I love him so much. He sent me a text this morning, and it just warmed my soul. I didn't even respond to it. That's how (laughs) warm my soul was this morning. But we've been brothers for the last five years. And at every critical moment of my life, he has been there. He showed up. And I am so grateful for just the ability to do life with a man of integrity. He is my brother. God's hand is on his life. And I love the fact that I get to see what God is doing in his life and I get an opportunity to be a small part of what God is doing in his life. And I know that there is is a force alongside him. And that is my sister, Katie. We love you so much. We appreciate you. You are worthy of honor. You are worthy of honor and thank you for your consistent demonstration of love and my nephews are here london and lincoln uh those my nephews praise god i love them they are special and they are tremendous amen uh there are some people from christ culture church christ culture if you here would you stand up for me please and let the people see you christ culture would you stand up i mean this is just so precious amen You guys, let me say this publicly. I am so grateful and honored that I get to be your pastor and that you trust me to serve you and to steward you and to watch over your soul and that my voice matters in your life. Thank you so much for being here. It shows that, so thank you for trusting me to lead you and to serve you, amen. You may be seated. Would you give it up for Christ culture? And I also want uh, uh, two of my three children of here, babies, y'all stand up. Miracle and Maddox are here, amen. Miracle and my baby boy Maddox, amen. And our oldest son turns 27 years old. And I know I drink my water, I mind my business, and I get my rest. I take care of it so that it can take care of me. So in about a week and a half, our oldest son will be 27 years old. I'm going to ask that y'all pray for him. Amen. Uh, He's a great young man. God's hand is on his life. And just pray that he would have an encounter with Jesus and that the Lord would raise up people around him that would supplement the grace of God in his life. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then most importantly, outside of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And God, our Father, I could not do what it is that I do, and I would not be the man that I am right now. For the last 18 years, God has blessed me to have my wife. Baby, would you stand up so the people can see you? (laughs) To have my wife. She is a wonder to behold. She is the best that God has made, amen? I used to say all the time that if the Lord chose to pick a woman again, to borrow their womb, and Mary's already been taken, he would choose my wife. And let me tell you why I say that, because I am a product of her prayers, amen? I am a product of her integrity. I'm a product of her life of consecration and sanctification and what you all see, a lot of it has to do with her commitment of standing by her husband and being a woman of God. And so I thank God for you. I honor you. You matter and you look good. That's just a fact. And the reality is that this ain't no joke, right? This ain't something that I'm just saying in front of people. Heaven will agree with me. So I love you and I thank you for it, amen? Amen, praise the Lord. Let's get right into the word of God. Let's ask the Lord for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of his word. Holy Spirit, would you fall? You are our teacher, and so teach us today. Encourage us today. Strengthen us today. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that our hearts will be open to receive the incorruptible seed of your word. I pray that revelation will flow swiftly, Lord, in Jesus' name. I decree and declare, Father, that if there are any hindrances, any blockages, any Sin, Father, that it would be repented of so that we can receive, Lord, in Jesus' name. I decree and declare that this would not fall on deaf ears, but it would take root and we will be galvanized to keep going and to partner with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Are y'all praying for the preacher this morning? hallelujah i would appreciate it let's get right into the word you all started have been in the series uh keep going that's what pastor aaron's been preaching from the subject keep going keep going keep going keep going over the last five years i had the incredible opportunity to walk very closely with my brother over this journey And I'm telling you, no better, uh, 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 this isn't just something that sounds good. He has lived it. He has kept going. He has kept going. And let me prophesy to, uh, I was going to say C3, to Purpose Church. You all have kept going. And I say keep going, amen, because the best is yet to come in Jesus' name, amen. There's been a couple points, uh uh-oh, let me get this going on. There's been a couple points out of the scripture in the book of Philippians, chapter number three, that he's used, that it's an anchor text, Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14. Here's what it says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He said, press on, press on. There were three points that he taught last week keep going keep trusting and keep following keep going keep trusting and keep following the vicissitudes of life are real there will be things in life that happens there will be things that are outside of our control but there is an encouraging prophetic message in these three things. Keep going, keep trusting, and keep following. I'm going to go where God says go. I'm going to trust God along the way because the Bible lets me know that if I trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not to my own understanding that he's going to, not that he might, not that he'll think about it, but if I trust him, with all of my heart, and I lean not to my own understanding, what is he gonna do? He will direct our paths. Even when we don't understand it, if I trust him, yeah. he'll direct my paths, he'll get me where I need to go. So keep trusting and then keep on following. The Bible says that the steps of a good man have been ordered by the Lord. Keep on following. I want to invite your attention this morning as we move further in just this theme of keep going to the book of Isaiah, chapter number six, verse eight. Book of Isaiah, chapter six, verse eight. I'll give you context around this verse. Uh, Isaiah, chapter six, verse one starts out by saying in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And then he goes on and talks about this experience, the prophet Isaiah, that he has with the Lord, right? And in this experience, he has a very powerful encounter where he beholds the glory of the Lord. And he comes to this point. He says, oh, my goodness, when I see the glory and the goodness of Jesus, I realize, man, I'm a man of unclean lips, And then in that same moment, then there are coals taken off the altar and God resolves the things that is unclean about him. This happens in the presence of God. And so he goes on and then here we are at verse number eight. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying it's important to say, then I heard he did not hear prior to this encounter, but once he had this encounter, he heard. I wonder if I can't hear because I need an encounter. What encounter do I need so that I can hear? If I can't hear, I need an encounter. And in that encounter, then God will resolve something that is preventing me from hearing. It here's what it is that Isaiah heard in Isaiah 6 and 8. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said with the same mouth that had just been purified, here I am Send me. I wonder if he would have been able to say that had his mouth not been purified. So he has this encounter. Coals are taken, takes care of the thing. And then God says, now I need somebody that I can use for my purpose. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me had an encounter, send me. I've been around your glory. I've been around your goodness, send me. Saying, Lord, you can use me. Lord, I'm ready, send me. I want to preach this morning from the topic, partnering with God. Partnering with God. Somebody say, partnering, partnering. with God. Partnering with God, very powerful thing. He says, here I am, send me. Here's the definition the Lord gave me in terms of what it means to partner with God. Partnering with God. It is the selfless act of doing my part to accomplish the purpose of God no matter what. Let's put the definition on the screen, nephew. Here's partnering with God definition. It is the selfless act. My nephew, go put it on the screen so y'all can see it. (laughs) It is the selfless act of doing my part to accomplish the purpose of God. Watch this. No matter what. Can we all read this together? Like one wonderful congregation? On three. One, two, three, read. It is the selfless act of doing my part to accomplish the purpose of God no matter what. That's what it means to partner with God. God always, in order to accomplish his will in the earth, he would use men, right? Not male, but male and female. He uses humans to accomplish his will in the earth. I want to share a quote by Abraham Cooper. Here's the quote. It says, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mind. There's not a square inch in all of human existence that Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not look with compassion and with mercy And with grace and says, mine, we may look through different lenses. But Christ says, mine, 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 mine. mine. They are mine. They are mine. They are mine. They are mine. So the anchor of God's purpose in everything that we do is in these three words, God loves people. God loves people. If we were to ask ourselves the question, why would I even want to partner with God? Because in all over the world, God looks through the lens of compassion and mercy and says, they are mine. God loves people. We may disqualify people, but God loves who we disqualify. We may be hurt by people and frustrated, but God loves the people that we hurt, and God loves us when we hurt people. God loves people. It is who he is. It is not going to change. Here's how I know. John 3, 16. We all know this. But the money resides in 17 also. 3 and 16 says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Why did he do it? Because he so loved, he so loved the world So when Abraham Cooper says that they are mine through the lens of Christ, we can validate that through scripture because God so loved the world. And not only did he just love the world, he did something to demonstrate his love. He gave his only begotten son. So we've got to be grounded and anchored into why we want to partner with God. Here's verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so if God's going to do that, he needs some partners. God needs some partners. God needs some people to dispense his love. Here's a quote, is that we get to partner with God to dispense his love. It's not a grievous thing like, oh my goodness, I gotta, man, I gotta, I gotta do what God called me to do. You know, gotta get out here and start witnessing. No, it's a joy that we get to partner with God. And the cool thing is that it can be so unique, and we're going to talk about this in just a moment, that doesn't necessarily fit in the box of our own preference or in the box of our own experience. God can use you anywhere as his partner to let people know that they are loved in tangible ways, in different ways. That's the purpose of it. If I can get people to understand, watch this, not to love Jesus, but to know that they are loved. If I can get folks to understand that they are loved, if you can get folks to understand that they are loved by God, that they are loved by Jesus, and then disciple that love walk to a point where they get it and they fall madly and deeply in love with Jesus, that is purpose because then he takes it from there. So we get an opportunity to partner with God to dispense his love. I said, Lord, what is it that people need in order to really experience your love? He shared with me three things. Here's the first thing that he shared with me. Number one, he said that people need to hear, they need to hear that they're loved. In Romans chapter number 10, Bible says, how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they be sent? And so really what we see there is that there's this need for us to say, yeah, God, I'll partner with you because someone has to tell them that you're loved. Someone has to tell people about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you will not die in this valley. Someone has to tell them that what it is that you are experiencing, there is another way, and that other way is a better way, and that is the way of Jesus Christ. God needs partners, so people have to hear. I need my nephew to work with me, not against me. Next thing, people need to see. There you go. I love you so much. They need to see they need to see right Jesus says here's how the world will know that you're my disciples is the love that you show one to another. People need to see. They need to see believers being believers and loving well and being kind and being supportive and having one another's backs. When people see that, then they become curious. And the Holy Spirit has a way of pulling people right on into this curious place by which they can explore and inquire about Jesus. They need to see. They need to hear. They need to see. And then they need to experience That's us being the hands and the feet of Jesus. When we show up next Sunday, serve day here at Shiloh, we're here to let people hear, see, and experience. If you don't say a word, but you pass out a coffee, that's an experience. And so it's a powerful reframe that we have. It is about the love of Jesus. And if I can get in the flow of his love, I am now in purpose. That's the key. Let me get in the flow of his love. It's like getting in the flow of a river, right? And the river goes through and the river starts to flow and it hits some rocks and then it hits some leaves and it hits some area. It's current, but it's all in the same direction. And so then discovering God's purpose for my life is I'm going to jump in the river of his love. That is his overall purpose and why he does what he does. And I'm going to say, Lord, I'm flowing with you so that people can hear, see, and experience the love of Jesus. Whether that is singing, whether that is preaching, whether that is running a business, whether that is making movies, whether that is writing scores, whether that is working in the nursing home, whether that is driving for Uber or Lyft, whether that is running an ice cream shop, whether that is being a gamer in the space, whether that is working as a travel agent or a taxi, if they even have taxes anymore. But whatever that is, God wants to use you to do it. He wants to use you to do it. He wants some partners. And so here is my first question. My first question is this. Will you accept the invitation to partner with God? Will you accept the invitation to partner with God? I've got to think about it. You know, sometimes this seems like, sure, yeah, I'll do it. God, sign me up. I'm all in. I'll partner with you. But sometimes we come back and we're like, I just don't want that partnership point. Like, I'll partner with you on this, but I'm not eyeing into that. But God's like, yo, I just want you in the river. And let me flow. I know the way that you take right this i've ordered your steps you can't order your steps it is a risk to order your steps i've ordered your steps it is a risk to lean to your own understanding but god is just saying like yo can i just get you in the river Can I get you in the flow? We were talking about surrender. What surrender is saying is I'm going to jump in the river of your love and in the river of your grace, and I understand that you need partners to let the world know that they are yours and that you love them and how you want to flow. God, I'm cool with that. I think that sometimes if it's not what we want, then we jump right out that river. We stay close enough to dip our toe in it, so we can have security. So I got to make it in, but we're not part of the plan of God. But God is like, yo, I need you. I didn't just save you so that you can spend eternity with me in heaven. Like I want to use you now. I want to use you right now. We can turn this city upside down for the glory of God if we can get enough people that saying, you know what, Lord, I'm in the river and you can flow. And I'm not going to be swimming upstream. It becomes difficult. And there are some things in our lives that are difficult. There are some things that is not working because we are swimming against the flow of the love of Jesus. And the thing is that we have learned how to do it so efficiently that we think it's normal. We've learned how to do it the world applauds those efforts. And Jesus is saying, my son, when you go to Purpose Church, I want for you to release a word that is not just about the church, but I need the apostolic anointing to come upon you and release it again, the region that I don't want you swimming against the flow. May we get to the point of surrender and say, Lord, I'm jumping in the river of your flow and I am going with you because I want to be a partner with God. So will we accept the invitation to partner with God? Let's go back to Isaiah 6 and 8. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? He throws out this invitation. I need a partner. And he said, here I am, send me. He did not ask, well, where are we going? He did not ask, how much time does it go take? <laughs> What's the qualifications? He had just had this encounter, and a real encounter with Jesus will cause me to remove all the rationalization out of my mind and say, I need to get in the river of the Lord Jesus. I'm missing my chair right now. The reason why we rationalize because we hadn't had that encounter. Man, it's crazy. Yeah. He goes through. He does not come with the list of demands. He doesn't come with a list of questions. He doesn't come with, show me the plan. He doesn't come with, I need to understand, but I'm... Fit. He does not do this. He simply responds, here I am, yeah. send me, send me, I'll be your partner, God. I'll be your partner. You need somebody to serve coffee? Sign me up. You need somebody to bake cookies? Sign me up. You need somebody to run the kinko? Sign me up. You need somebody to run the wire? Sign me up. Whatever it is, sign me up. We can do that when we've had an encounter and we are in the river of God. Here I am. Send me. Let me say this as a bold statement. Without partners, the purposes of God will not be fully seen in the earth. It's true. Oh God's sovereign, he can just do what he wants to do. Yeah, he's sovereign, but he has a plan and he has an order and he has a pattern and when we follow God's way, then we get God's best. Somebody should tweet that. Put it on the face space. You cannot get God's best if I don't follow God's way. It won't happen. And so we, we, we want the purposes of God, but I, it's got to kind of be like my way. Got to be on my terms, got to fit my schedule. And the challenge is that not only just external culture, but church culture supports this. May we surrender. May we surrender so we can turn this city upside down for the glory of God. Otherwise, we're seeing, we're limited in terms of what we can experience. We read the Bible, man, I wanna see signs, miracles and wonders follow them that believe that is what the word of God says. Come on. But we have been so indoctrinated by the culture of self. It is not external. What the Lord showed me in the spirit is that it is internal. It is things that have come through the eye gate and the ear gate, and it's made its way in. And it has created a culture on the inside of us that has said, I will partner on my terms. God forbid. Paul asks this question, shall I continue in sin so that grace may abound? That's really what it is. If it's what I want in my way, and God is like, yo, I need partners. It doesn't have to be this big, massive thing. Maybe it's just a little thing where God say, "Hey, could could you make the coffee, Lord? You know, it's an anointing on my life to be the bishop. I'm not fit to be out here on no coffee. I am a bishop, you know. God is like, Ken. hey hey, I need for you to work this work the slides. I am going to the nations. I have seen my destiny." You see what I'm saying? But God is like, yo, I need you to do this. <laughs> it's true. Let me show you how, how true it is, is that the purposes of God are limited without partners. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. And the NIV says this. When I should, this is God talking. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, watch this, if my people, his partners, if my people, his partners, those who have chosen to partner with God, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. God needs partners. Church, listen, we can turn the city upside down. The church can A lot of things that we're trying to work through legislation, we can solve in an instant. If everybody would just jump in the river and say, God, will you have your way? We can eradicate homelessness. We can care for the widows. We can make sure that there is opportunities for everybody to experience God's very best if we would just get in the river and say, Lord, I'm your partner. I'm your partner, and I want to see your kingdom come and your will done in earth as it is in heaven. God needs partners. So here's what we've got to understand is that God uses man, watch this, through the vehicle of purpose to accomplish his will. God uses man, mankind, through the vehicle of purpose to accomplish his will. That's why it's so important that our mission here at Purpose Church is to know Jesus and to discover his purpose for our lives because that is an anchor in partnering with God. God uses man through the vehicle of purpose. I remember starting out, uh, I've been saved for a very long time and this year I celebrated 26 years as a communicator of the gospel. And like, like, Like saved, you know what I'm saying? Like pre-preaching, preaching. Preaching. Like not on the river, out the river. You understand what I'm saying, not on the river. Like I have been all in for a very long time. And so I knew at a very young age that God's hand was on my life and that he would use me to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I also knew that there was a transversal anointing on my life and God would use me in the marketplace and he would send me around the globe. I knew that at a young age. And at 43, God has done just that. He has used me effectively in over 60 countries on six of the seven continents to do work in the marketplace to the glory of God. God has sent me around the world living the first class lifestyle without paying the price to the glory of God. God has allowed me to preach the gospel and to plant churches and to go from churches that are large and small and uh, Presbyterian to Pentecostal to non-denomination to Baptist and holiness to black and white. All of these things, God has allowed me the great honor of doing. But it didn't start that way. no. No. I just made it, and people ask me, oh, oh, Pastor John, what's your secret to success? Partnership. I got in that river and stayed. Now, there were some seasons where I start swimming upstream, you know? But I'm, I'm, like, I'm like this kind of believer, right? It's like I'm swimming, and I realized like, oh, no, there's too much for me. Back in the flow I go, right? You see what I'm saying? Where's uh, Link, come here, nephew. Come here, come help your uncle preach real quick. Come help your uncle preach. Give it up for my nephew. All right, so here's what it looks like. I want you to swim, swim, swim upstream. Come on, come on. And for a while it's normal until you keep going, keep going, keep on moving. And so you're doing all of these things, but he's not going anywhere. So he's exerting all of this energy. Watch this, and remember his movement of swimming. He's now going upstream. And you remember for a while he was moving until everything stopped in his life. But he kept on moving, and because his arms are moving, he thinks he's doing something. But he's going absolutely nowhere. And God will allow us in this posture for a while for a while because he loves us so much. And at some point you go see, hold on, I'm not where I should be. This is not happening because you're swimming upstream. And God's like, I need you to turn around. Now, when I get back in the flow, now I want you to swim. Then you start moving again. (laughs) Then you start making progress again. That is the posture. Thank you, nephew. That's the posture that it looks like to partner with God. It's like we can be doing all of these things, but you're not doing anything for God. I'm doing this in the name. Jesus said, I will say to you, depart from me, workers of iniquity. You are swimming upstream. You are not doing it my way. So depart from me. But, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We laid hands. You did these things because this is potent. But you are disqualified. Somebody say, like, yo, I'm about to bust a U. you. <laughs> and I'm getting in the river. You know what bust you means? Repent. repent. That's the simple thing. You're going upstream, just repent. Like, like, just turn around and let's get back in the flow. Because God needs man to accomplish his will in the earth. Let me show you this. That you're eligible. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. 311, watch this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. You've received a gift. You've got something that God has given you to partner with. Use it to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So it may not all look the same. Not everyone's going to preach the gospel. And not everyone's going to play and sing, but there will be anointed purpose to set the table. And you're over here setting the table, and and, and you're praying over it, and God is using your prayers, and someone is coming and taking communion. And when they take it, then the body of the Lord Jesus conflicts with any sickness or disease in their body, and then they wash it down with the blood because you were in position. It is a risk. That is what the flesh and the enemy wants. The enemy wants us out of position. Position, Because when we are out of position, we cannot experience the fullness of the grace and the goodness of the Lord Jesus. So in verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him, be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. That's the promise. So everyone's eligible. You're eligible. You can be used by God. God wants to use you. So here's my question. It's will you join the list of those who have partnered? with God. So before we got here, there were folks who have already partnered with God. God wants to know and ask us the question this morning, will you join that list of those who have partnered with God? Here's a list to consider and how they partner. Mary, partnering with God by saying, God, here's my womb. I need to bring Jesus into the earth. Hey, Mary, will you partner with me? I need your womb. She partnered with God to accomplish his purpose. Rahab partnered with God to hide the spies. I'll partner with you. Here, you can use my house. Joseph of Arimathea partnered with God. He was a rich man who, when Jesus' body was taken off the cross, was put in a tomb. He used his wealth to partner with God. Simon of Cyrene. He was the man that when Jesus was walking and carrying the cross and it was so heavy that they called for someone to help carry the cross for him, Simon of Cyrene used his strength to partner with God. Noah, while we know he was a junk, a drunkard, he had to have the skill in order to build that ark. He used his skill and his willingness in order to build the ark. Moses, although he, he had a st- 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 stutter. He used his mouth to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. He used his mouth to partner with God. Job, ah, Bible says he was a perfect and blameless and upright man. Job used his devotion to Jesus to partner with God. Elijah, he used his conviction. He's on Mount Carmel. And said, look, I'm tired of this. If God be God or Baal be God, let's go to the mountain and let's have a showdown. And he defeats the prophets of Baal by saying, you know what? The God that answers by fire, he's God. God answered by fire. He used his conviction to partner with God. Peter, he used his experience with Jesus to partner with God. He preached the sermon on the day of Pentecost. And thousands of souls were added." And he told them about a Jesus that he knew and then Aaron uses his heart Aaron uses his heart y'all go catch it in a minute Aaron uses his heart Aaron uses his heart not Aaron who was with Moses but Aaron I call him a Aaron uses his heart I've never seen a pastor who has a heart like his he loves people so much he uses his heart to partner with God so that all of us here and all of the thousands that will come in will be blessed by this work because of one man's heart to say Lord I'm going to get in this river and you can use it I'm partnering with you so that thousands of people will know Jesus and discover his purpose for their life. So here's a quote, is that perfect people are not required. You don't gotta be perfect, but willingness, that's the starting point. Because a lot of times we don't partner with God because we think, but I'm not perfect, I'm not. No, that, that's not required. Willingness is the starting point. Just jump in that river, man. Jump in that river and let love do what love does. And then when you get in that river, just go with the flow. Surrender. We're not going to swim upstream. We're going to surrender. And then what happens is we've got to know that when we are partnering with God, that there's an enemy out there that doesn't want to see the purposes of God come to pass. And the enemy wants to disqualify us from partnering with God. That's what he wants to do. He wants to get us swimming upstream so long, ultimately that we get tired and we say, this isn't worth it. And then we get out the river. And then if we're really I mean, in in, in a zone, we get out the river and we start doing this. The same thing that we did when we were in flow, but the challenge is that God's not in it. We're out the will of God doing this. And the enemy wants us in that posture. It's true. So the Lord gave me three anchors to prevent us from being disqualified. Anchor number one, Selflessness selflessness if we were to be selfless we can't be disqualified and we've got to stay at it selflessness matthew 16 verses 21 through 26 it says this from that time jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Imagine that, Peter rebuking Jesus. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Now, Peter meant, well, he loves Jesus so much. He's like, no, Jesus, you can't do this. You can't do this. But then here's what Jesus says. But, but he turned to and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He didn't even come straight to Peter. He comes straight to the spirit of it. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. Watch what he says For you, in verse 23. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. What does it mean to be selfish? Because I'm not mindful of the things of God, of the purposes of God but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He says, I want you to be selfless. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Get in my flow. Trust that I got you. I love you. Just get in my flow. I got you. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Trust me. I got you. I got you. It's what Jesus is saying. You can partner with me. I got you. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I pray in Jesus' name that we would lay hold of selflessness, so that we are not like Saul and disqualified from partnering with God. Number two is submission, James chapter four, verses six through 10. But he gives more grace, therefore he says, therefore submit, uh, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submission, submit comes from a Greek word, sub, S-U-B means under. Right? Mitso. So to get under the mission of God. Meaning that He's my covering. I'm under His mission. His mission is His will. His mission is His way. His mission is His word. I'm gonna get under that mission. That's how I stay qualified. That's how I prevent from swimming upstream. Then the Bible says that He gives grace to the humble, He resists the proud. So you remember when I was resisting my nephew? Resisting him. It's this in the book, right? But here's what he says. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So what do I do when I find myself out of submission? Is I just simply turn and say, Lord, here I am. I want to get back in your flow. I want things better in my life, I want things better that I don't even know is is, is bad right now because that's the challenge. Is that until I'm tired and burnt out, I think I'm good. Until everything starts falling apart and Jesus is just saying like, yo, just turn back and get in the flow, please. Otherwise, I will have to do what I said, I'm gonna do, I resist the proud, but if you will humble yourselves and submit, I'll give you more grace. I'll give you more grace. And grace steps in, it is not just something that causes me to come back in a relationship. Grace is also an empowerment. So when I don't know how to do it, grace sets on me and allows me to figure that thing out through divine enablement. I didn't know I can love you like this, grace. I didn't know that I could forgive, grace. I didn't know I can solve this problem, grace. I didn't know I can build this, grace. It is grace. We need grace that draws and grace that empowers, and it comes through submission. And then lastly, sanctification. We can prevent disqualification through sanctification. Sanctification simply means to be separated, to be separated. The writer writes in Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that's talking about covenant people in relationship with him, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Watch this. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I beseech you, brethren, sanctification. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, That you may prove, there's the partnership, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I need some partners, but I need sanctification. Like fully using you. I can't use this at certain levels, you know. And sometimes people, this isn't a popular thing to preach in churches. But, I mean, like, yo, we got to get on with the mission of Jesus. We got to get on with it. Either we're going to be out or we are going to be in, but all means, stay close enough by which grace can make sure that you make it. But man, how, how, how joyous it is to look at God doing something wonderful and know that I wasn't a part of God's plan. So here's how he sets us up to make sure that we are not disqualified. Acts 1 and 8 says this, but you We'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my, let me paraphrase, partners. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and on all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, listen, just rely on my power. Whew. I'll give you the grace. I'll give you the power. The minute that we start relying on our own power is the minute that we risk being disqualified. But the Bible says, I'll give you power to do this. How are we going to, I mean, fully optimize the plan and purpose of God for Purpose Church? So we're gonna rely on his power. We're gonna rely on the wind of God. We're going to rely on the strength and the wisdom and the revelation of God. And we're going to go, and we will be effective partners. I want to share this quote by Brenning Manning. He says this, what makes authentic disciples is not visions, ecstasies, biblical mastery, or chapter, biblical mastery of chapter and verse, or spectacular success in ministry, but a capacity for faithfulness. That's the key. God knows who you are. God knows what you're experiencing. God knows the details of your life. And he's given us power, trust the flow, and rely on the power no matter what. That's what faithfulness looks like. And that's what God is looking for, It's for people to be faithful to him and if I can be faithful to him, then that qualifies me to different areas of partnerships. I've talked about how I've gone around. I started cleaning the toilets in the church. I was a licensed preacher, vacuuming this. I would go around and pick up my pastor's dry cleaning. People call me a flunky. I don't care. But I stayed right there and I learned to be faithful. I remember I was 18 years old when I gave my very first $1,000 seed. I couldn't wait until Sunday to do it. I called the pastor, Raleigh Jones, who's now gone to heaven, my spiritual father, who, who, who believed in me when nobody did. And I said, pastor, I got my, th-. he said, you gotta wait. I said, I can't wait, I'm too excited. He said, meet me at Shoney's. And I was so excited to give a th- for an 18-year-old giving a $1,000 seed. That's a big deal. But how many of you know that that one seed broke wealth out over my life? <laughs> Partnership, faithful. And I start praying. God gave me a prayer to pray after that one act of faithful. And the prayer I prayed, Lord, make me a distribution center of heaven's resources. You want to go out to eat with me because I got the check. You want to be my friend because you ain't going to find one that's more generous than me. You understand what I'm saying? You want me to show up in your service, because I'm going to break you off. But that started years ago. It wasn't about just that. It's about developing this rhythm of faithfulness. And here I am, 43 years old, still determined to be faithful with God. It looks different now. i got to do harder things now. i got to say things. I have to do certain things. But God, Almighty, I'm going to be faithful because I am a partner with God. And the reality, this is, people are depending on your partnership. Your children, your community, your coworkers, your neighbors are depending on your faithful partnership. Don't blow it. And here's the really good news, Elise, is there are some perks that come with partnering with God. That's just the reality. We all like the perks, right? I'm pretty faithful to Delta, so I've got a status and with the status comes perks. And so I'm faithful, my position changes, and then the perks match my status. And so here's the thing, Well, God's no respecter of persons, it's true, but he is a respecter of faithfulness. That is true. Don't be, ah, no, no. He is a respecter of faithfulness. That is true. He's no respecter of persons from a holistic standpoint. But I'm faithful. Oh, oh, okay. I'm going to give you one scripture. Psalm 5, verse 11 to 12, right? He says, for you will bless the righteous. Will you cover him with favor as with a shield? The righteous. Because we say favor ain't fair. Sounds good, but not necessarily biblical. It's very, very fair. It is very fair. There's a dimension of favor that applies to everybody, but there's another dimension that when I am faithful and I am walking in righteousness, then I've got a right to leverage favor in certain areas. Y'all need another scripture. Psalm 84, 11 and 12. He says, no good thing will I withhold from them that walk uprightly. So if I am not walking up, there are perks that come with partnering with God. That's the point. And so here are the perks. Very simple scripture. We know this one. Matthew 6, verse 31 through 33. We sometimes are not willing to get it because, Lord, you know I got needs. And Lord, you know where I'm at. And you know what I'm feeling. And I'd rather go out and, and build this business than build your church. And I'm not saying that it's either or, but it's saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you in the river. And if I can get in the river, you can help me to build a business that in two and a half years make a million dollars and build a church. Because I'm just in the flow, man. I'm in the flow. So he says, don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, those who are uninformed. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Basically he's saying partner with me. Inquire of me, get in the flow above all else and live righteously. And he will give you, he will give you everything that you need perks to partnering with God. I want us to start a rumor, Purpose Church. Here's the rumor that I want for us to start, is that as we partner with God, may it be said of us, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, here's the rumor. These who have turned the world upside down, have come here too. May it be said of you that you are a church of people who have partnered with God to help people know Jesus and to discover purpose for their life. You do that, you're gonna turn this city upside down. Give the Lord praise. Let me pray with you and for you. Father, in Jesus' name, would you allow this word to be transformative? Allow it to take root in our hearts. And Holy Spirit, will you allow us to do whatever it takes to get back in the flow? Back in the flow. Some will jump in the river so that we can be your partners. Would you do that for us, Lord? In Jesus' name mighty name. We love you and amen.